0: Hello listeners, it's that time again. It is time for the July Headlines Roundup and I have a special guest for you here to help me talk about all the cases that you are reading about in recent headlines. Our friend Gabrielle Hartley is here. Hello Gabrielle. Hi Susan, I'm so happy to be back. It's been a while. It has been and I, you know, I wanted, I love having another divorce professional come in and talk about these cases with me. I, I love getting that layered um, opinion and, and depth of insight into these cases. A couple months ago our friend Beth McCormick joined me and listeners seem to really enjoy getting two perspectives on those cases that are in the high uh, the headlines. I do want to remind everyone about who Gabrielle is, how fabulous she is, Ga- right? For those uh, who can't see her right now, we're right behind her is... Her first book, uh, "Better Apart: The Radically Positive Way to Separate." Um, that is actually how we met, Gabrielle, and I. I saw her on LinkedIn talking about the book, and I thought, whoever wrote a book with a name that fabulous, I need to know. Um, so I reached out to her, and now, as you all know, she's one of my besties. So uh, we had to had to bring her back. Gabrielle is a very, very experienced family law attorney and mediator. She works virtually online um, cases in Massachusetts and New York. Um, If you are looking for really the mediator who's going to get it done for you, reach out to Gabrielle, um, or just reach out to her to talk about how to move your case forward if you're in one of those two states, because Gab is, uh, she is the person who, if I know nothing else about her, and I know a lot about her, um, (laughs) she's going to help you get your case moving. So first of all, Gabrielle, just tell people how to best get in touch with you.
1: Really, um, Susan, thanks. The easiest way to find me is just to send me a message. Go to GabrielleHartley.com and just hit the contact and send a message over to me and I will do my very best to get back to you within 24 hours.
0: That's our girl. Okay, so July headlines, and I just wanna remind listeners, we're gonna go through some of the headlines that have really been you know, hitting the news a lot in the last few weeks. And most of the reason why I wanna do this, it's not just so we can talk about the celebrities or the high profile people who are getting divorced, but I like to talk about cases and then pull them apart a little bit to both uncover what I think the media gets wrong, because they have a a certain mindset about reporting these cases. They can be a little bit over the top about things that can be pretty normal. Just a little bit, Susan. Yeah, just a little bit, you know, because it makes a good headline. And there are definitely a couple of cases in here that are, are in that category. But also because these are cases we can learn something from and you can, you know, we're going to pull some tips and some thoughts out of each one of them so that you can, you know, take what what works for you in your divorce and apply it to your situation if, if it's relevant. So let's dive in. This is actually a case that I think I brought up about two months ago when Valerie Bertinelli mentioned that she was, um, or announced that she was getting divorced from her current husband. Um, But now they've ratcheted up a little bit of a level. And I'm just going to read, because this headline is exactly what I was just talking about, where the press kind of sensationalizes these things, right? Yeah.
1: Sensationalism sells the papers. So a lot of this is not, um, really once we get into it, we'll see it's, it's not necessarily all that interesting or, um, fascinating because of them, but more because of the process.
0: Right. Yeah. The headline was the one that I, I pulled is divorce shocker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that starts it off. That's Valerie Bertinelli's estranged husband reveals the actress pulls in 180 K a month. Well, he's paid $16 an hour as their support war heats up. Okay. There's a lot of drama in that
1: headline Got to unpack there, Susan. Absolutely.
0: Well, and I found it, first of all, none of anything that's happening in their divorce, this, this whole support war, what it really has come down to, or to, to parse that out is he's asking for spousal support from her. It's, right. it, it's something that he's filed and requested. And I mean, Gabrielle, when one of the people is making $16 an hour and the other one's making 180,000 a month, is
1: it surprising that someone's
0: asking for spousal support it,
1: it is not at all surprising and it's also not surprising that um and, and you know we don't know so much about everything that he's ever earned throughout his life, but it's not surprising that he would come in saying, oh, I'm earning just a little over minimum wage. When I was clerking for a judge in New York City, I cannot tell you how many people came in and had what we called like the September 11th defense, which was that, you know, um, so now I'm dating myself, but yes, I was clerking over September 11th, (laughs) 2001. Um, And they would suddenly um, not be earning any income anymore. And it was because, and we'd have to say you need to show a causal relationship between the terrible tragedy at the Twin Towers um, and your loss of income. It's not just because this horrible thing happened that your income went down. And so, you know, I mean, that's the thing that was like sort of screaming to me is like, okay we understand that your spouse makes significantly more than you do, but the, to, to um, highlight it in this sort of very dramatic way, you know, screams of fodder for the media to grab onto.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, and I think what you're pointing out, because I'll date myself, I'm, I'm even, I'm, I'm not even older. I am older than <laughs> you are. Um, but it, <laughs> as divorce attorneys you know we have seen maybe once or twice in our cases where someone's income seems to suddenly go down during the divorce magically they are suddenly earning less um after 9 11 there were actually because the world changed you know really after that and the stock market crashed and there were so many things that happened that it's by the way a little
1: similar to right now after COVID, right? That actually is very
0: true. Good point, Gab. Um, And so people out there, I love that you said that because people out there may very well be dealing with a spouse who is suddenly earning less or their assets are worth considerably less right now because the stock market has taken a bit of a dive. Borrowing and lending has become much more difficult as interest rates have gone up.
1: And also, um, in in many places, real estate, people who own houses, they have a, it's appreciated so much. Now, I think it's sort of starting to balance out, but that's a real problem in a lot of my cases. One of the spouses can no longer afford necessarily to buy out the other spouse because their house went up to such a degree that they can no longer qualify for the mortgage there. So there, yeah. there's a lot to consider.
0: Well, and the other issue we, that I see a lot for people to think about is they they could qualify for a new mortgage, but because interest rates have gone up so much, many people bought their homes and got like a three percent or so mortgage. and now they're getting an over five percent mortgage. It makes such a significant difference if they have to refi to keep the house that a lot of people are finding they're not able to do that as well.
1: That's right, it's a it's a very serious problem.
0: Yeah. Well, and the other, let's get back to Valerie yeah, and exactly. Tom for a second. <laughs> As as we digress, because the other aspect of um this divorce, this particular case, is Valerie and Tom have a prenup. Um, and in that prenup, if we extrapolate out of what is said in the article, um, it looks like Tom waived spousal support in his prenuptial agreement. So it's for him to receive spousal support, he has to attack that prenup. He has to show in some way that either the prenup is not valid or that portion of the prenup is no longer valid. But that's something that we see fairly often as well too, right Gabrielle?
1: That's right. And and if, you know, you're going through a divorce, if a listener is going through a divorce, you should definitely check with a lawyer to see what the standard is for review, because in some places it may have had to have been fair and reasonable at the time it was entered into. In other places, it needs to have been fair and reasonable at the time where the divorce is happening, which to me doesn't really make any sense at all, because, like, what is fair and re- Like, who's deciding what's fair and reasonable? Like, at any point in time, and then um, what's sort of the point of entering into the, the prenup if only later on somebody could say, oh, you know, this isn't fair and reasonable now, right? Obviously, somebody is making $165,000 a month and somebody else making, you know, $1,500 a month you know, a reasonable person could say that's not fair and reasonable, but yet you entered into this contract, which should be binding. So, you know, there, there are reasons more and more millennials are calling me to see whether or not they need a prenup. And although I am personally, um, fairly traditional, um, you know, sometimes it might not make sense to actually get married, depending on your financial situation. And that's like a very strange, piece of advice that I find that I've been giving more and more people um, these days, just because prenups do get knocked out. I mean, get one if, if you have a disparity or if there's some like family asset or something you're looking to protect. But um, I have over the course of um, practice, as I'm sure you've also seen, they, they don't all stand up in court. Even if you have the best drafter, there are so many ways to poke holes Um, Number one tip for prenup, make sure you get it done long before the wedding. Make sure number two, that you and your spouse, especially your spouse, if your spouse has less, fewer assets, make sure that they have a lawyer review it. Make sure there's been full disclosure. It's all attached of what all your assets are, what all your expectancies, like what you think you're going to inherit are. Um, Because if, if. Things just were even if it's fair and reasonable, if the way it was entered into, as I'm sure you've seen, um, is, is found to be somehow under duress, it's going to get knocked out.
0: Yeah. And I, well, and I think what you're pointing out, right. Is the issue with prenups is people enter into them with one mindset, like we're never going to need this. We're just doing this just in case. Right. So they they take a certain attitude and then at the time of a divorce, suddenly that document is in control, right? And people go, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hang on a second. I don't really think it's fair anymore, or I don't like what it says. Now that's something to remember if you're entering into a prenup right now. Remember this conversation because if it becomes relevant someday, you know, be measuring what you're agreeing to today to what you know you may have to like, look at this and actually apply it someday. But the other aspect is, is both Gabrielle and I know is if people don't like the terms of the prenup at the time of divorce, there are a lot of legal holes they can try to poke. There's unconscionability, which is what Gabrielle Gabrielle was talking about, where it's just not fair. Um, There's duress and fraud. I entered into it when you didn't disclose everything and I didn't know what I was entering into, or you pushed me into it by handing it to me in the back of the church. I mean, we hear (laughs) all of these arguments all the time. And the reality is they may be good arguments. They may be bad arguments, but it's going to cost you time, money, and effort just to jump the hurdle of does that prenup stand and it gives them wiggle room to try to negotiate something else
1: absolutely so you know there's really no perfect solution just if you if you're getting married and you're thinking about a prenup i would definitely say do it long before the wedding um i don't mean to scare you away from doing prenups but um If you do it, just make sure that you check all the boxes. Yeah. Check all the boxes and every state has different laws around what makes, what are those boxes? That's right. And as I practice in two states, you know, I'm very aware of the distinctions, which is why I was raising them in the beginning. That's right. Check, talk to a lawyer. Don't, if you're going to do a prenup also, make sure you do it with a lawyer and make sure you do it with a lawyer who really knows what they're doing. Don't save a, a couple of thousand dollars on the front end and cost yourself hundreds of thousands, millions later on. Yeah.
0: Well, and last note on prenups, you can mediate your prenup.
1: Absolutely, That's the way do to that. do it. I do that all the time, and then I send people off to the attorneys to just wrap it up.
0: Exactly. I mean, you can have an attorney, and you can mediate. They are not separate things. So,
1: and in fact, um, with a prenup it's really the best way to come to an agreement um, because you're getting married. You don't wanna have two lawyers who are at odds. It's best if you figure out what you're asking for, meet with your lawyer, figure out kind of what you want and then come together with the mediator and have them bring it all into one document.
0: Yeah. So there's a lot to cover in that. I mean, Valerie's divorce, unfortunately for Valerie, I think it's gonna give us some headlines for a little while here. Um, it's good. It's they they always seem like they're going to be easy and they always end up being maybe a little bit more difficult. So I think she has a little bit more to get through before she's done with her divorce. If this prenup challenge, um, is going to continue, but let's move on to our billionaires because we have some whopping billionaire divorces much as we had the Gates divorce and the Bezos divorce. Um, Following each other in close succession, we've got three major billion dollar divorces or billions of dollars divorces going on right now. So Stephen Ross owns the Miami Dolphins, Google, a few bunch of things. Um, He has filed for divorce from his wife and that's going on right now. Jerry Hall, formerly the not married partner of Mick Jagger, it turns out, but she's married to Rupert Murdoch and they are getting divorced. He's 91. And then also Google billionaire, Sergey Brin is also going for getting a divorce right now. So there seems to be, we actually live in a world, maybe people don't know this. We live in a world with an awful lot of billionaires. There are Tons more billionaires than you can possibly imagine in this world, um, but there were a few things I wanted to talk about in these headlines. One, they're going to be in the headlines. Just the vast amount of wealth that these people have makes it interesting for people to look at their divorces. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It, but much I think of it is fascinated
0: by them, right? Yeah, right. Well, because they're talking about lifestyles. That we that your average person just uh, never. I mean, not even just your average. Even your above average wealth right. person isn't isn't in that world. So it gives us that peek through divorce filings into their world.
1: They're just like we are. Well, they are when it comes to divorce That's, in some ways. Interestingly, you know, clerking in New York, it doesn't discriminate. Like a hospital doesn't discriminate. Neither does divorce court. So. When you're going through a divorce, you can be rich or you can be poor. You can be famous. You can be someone who never interacts with anybody else. You're going through the exact same process, procedure, courtroom. It, it's just unbelievable how it's the great equalizer. I saw some pretty high profile people um, and help them get through very complicated, very high stakes Cases, you know, their lives really, and at the end of the day, we're figuring out how to disentangle their finances and where their kids should go when. It's pretty much that simple, right?
0: That simple and and that complicated. I mean, as we both know from from being involved in some of these cases, their problems are different in some ways. That that amount of great wealth actually brings some burden with it, in that. Just imagine in these three divorces, how many other people's lives are going to be impacted or potentially could be impacted um, through loss of jobs or negative press or all of the myriad of
1: different things that might happen as a result of these divorces. I mean, the news stream could change. I mean, everything could change as a result of these divorces. It's really it's it's so interestingly impactful that these are private lives that are going to have such a um, impact on so many other people who have nothing to do with these people's private lives right? right so it really matters the way things are administered and that's why sometimes people who have this amount of money they use a private mediator, mediator and then they ask to have their their entire case sealed so that nobody can ever see um which is i think probably what a the Bezos did and the Gates did um, so that you and I can't just, you know, go into court and say, oh, let me grab the Bezos file, please. Right. I think to look and see what's happening see in what's there. Going on there. Right. And and there's a whole world of people who um, who want to to do private mediation to keep as little in the press. And that's probably part of the reason why when we look at the um, paper or the online magazine, I said paper again, dating myself. Um, the, when we look at the online magazines, um, we don't get that many details because we don't know them because the, the whole entire process is private. And when, when we've worked, I know when I've worked on these very large cases and probably the same is the case for you, you know, we sign off on that. Nobody in the room and, and trust me, those mediations are not just, me on a zoom right like, <laughs> no it's a big room it's a lot of people there's a lot of experts because there are many levels of complications so i didn't mean to say before that we're all the same yes we're all the same by the time you were coming to me in the courtroom it, you know it was just the two lawyers and the litigators, and then, you know, maybe some um, like bodyguard type people would be there. So that, that was distinct, distinguishable, but the emotional process is still something that we can all relate to. And I think that's part of the reason that these cases are so compelling for us to read.
0: I, I agree. And, and what I see, you know, I, I do think that divorce is the great equalizer. I think, it was funny, I was reading an article that our friend, Laura Wasser, Was interviewed in, I think it was the New Yorker the other day, and she said the same thing. Oh, I saw that article also. Exactly right. So, and Laura, you know, Laura's full of great pithy comments, right? You know, I I love the the woman has a way with words. And but she, but she is right, and you're right, right? You know, once they get into that courtroom, or the bottom line issues they need to deal with really are the same. They need to unravel their finances. They need to deal with the care, custody, and and parenting of their children. But I mean, you have to think about these cases. Even the announcement of a divorce, I almost think that cause well ca- can cause stocks to plummet around the world, I right? Really- like. Entire company's values can turn on a dime when they hear that something is happening with a founder or a billionaire, you know, like Rupert Murdoch or Stephen Ross or well, Sarah. Oftentimes,
1: Gabriel. people who are getting jobs that are high profile or, um, you know, they have some sort of leadership stature, if they're thinking about getting divorced, just like if you're thinking if you had an illness, they keep it under wraps because it really can have an adverse impact. And there's such a trickle down on that adverse impact, which I, I, I think it's incredibly interesting. Um, and something else that I think is sort of noteworthy is, if you ever talk to divorce court judges, I know many people probably don't, but I, I've talked to a lot of divorce court judges and um, you know, their perspective oftentimes is oh the billion dollar divorces are easy because there's plenty for everybody and and that is another reason why private mediation is really preferable because the judge has to still keep their entire docket their clogged courtrooms moving forward right so going to a mediator to resolve things privately even if we're engaged as an arbitrator it's still creating a a safer place Um, for them to resolve their disputes where all the details are going to be attended to. Right. And
0: and that's so true. I I was just thinking back, it jogged my my thought process. I remember a recent conversation with an ultra high net worth client who said, you know, Susan, you know, we know we're we're gonna be fine, right? Like financially, we are never gonna hurt for money. Our children are, you know. Through the eons, there's enough money here, but what they really truly did not want or do not want is for their divorce, their parting, their division of their world. Um, it's a relatively long term marriage. They but don't want it to down. impact any. Right. They don't want it to impact any, you know, the ripples to go out there. So, and that's, you know, the one thing I wanted to note here is that one of the headlines was Google billionaire Sergey Brin works to keep divorce details under wraps. And that's kind of what you were just saying. They filed a motion to seal the file or at least large portions of it. Because, and, and the quote is, citing his status as one of the wealthiest and most famous technology entrepreneurs in the world, which is an unusual reason. Most of the time we see it, you know, the, of safety, <laughs> yeah, safety reasons. It's going to harm the children because there's, you know, information coming out that would be detrimental to children to have that out there in the world or something right. like that. But, but in this particular case, it's not just Sergey Brin and his wife that this would hurt. This could hurt thousands and thousands of people who are reliant upon the Google money machine.
1: You know, I have three sons and I have, te- I have said to them through the years they're, um, you know, with great power, cause they're all very strong comes great responsibility. And it's really a delicate process to unravel these divorces. So, so I know we're, saying the same thing many different ways. Um, But the reality of it is that at heart, we have to take care of these people's heart and how they feel and respect, you know, grief is grief. I don't care how much money you have. You know, you feel like crap when you feel betrayed. I mean, right, just just talk to anyone who's been betrayed. Or if you're in a dead marriage, but you're angry, there's like subtle things that haven't been discussed but you still have to go through the steps to figure out how are you going to get to the next step without impacting your shareholders and that's a whole other level of burden yeah And so I
0: think just much as I said, we're going to see Valerie and Tom a few more times before their divorce is filed or finalized in the headlines. I think we are going to see Bryn and Ross and Murdoch again in in the headlines. But how much we'll actually ever know about those divorces? Very little. Is very
1: little, I would say. If if they're filing their papers properly, very, very little.
0: Right. And the fact that they're filing papers probably means they're ready to almost be done. Much of this has probably been going on under wraps for quite some time in that private mediation process.
1: You know, that's a really uh, great point, Susan. I'm glad that you made that. Um, You know, keeping things private is just the most important thing. And even if the headlines tell us, you know, know, maybe the filing was a surprise, but the divorce is not the surprise, you know, And, and maybe somebody was served because it was like an administrative necessity. It, it doesn't mean anything other than, oh, they were served and I was surprised because I didn't think I was being served because the, their lawyer or mediator didn't tell them that, oh, by the way, you have to be served um, on this day in order for things to be filed in a, you know, according to the rules.
0: Yeah. And every state has different rules on that as well. I'm happy to say Connecticut, where I practice, has abolished that need to serve anybody if you're in a mediation process.
1: Same as Massachusetts in New York, um, we still need to serve in order to get something. You you don't want to sign the separation agreement until everything's been served or filed at least. Yep.
0: Unfortunately, but we're moving forward, folks, on that. Okay. So our next case in the headlines is another one that I've talked about before gab on another case but I wanted to talk about it because it brings up the issue of annulment which Mm. does not come up very often um so former real housewife of somewhere I have to be honest with you I have a hard time keeping track of all the real housewives (laughs) but real housewife of somewhere Megan King um had a whirlwind situation with cuff Biden Owens he's the nephew of the president they met, they married, and two months later, they they split. It was like this, like crazy situation. But now it's been announced that they that the marriage is being annulled and legally annulled, not just relig- right. a religious annulment, right. which is a different thing. Um, and I think that's interesting. I wanted to bring it up for people because it's rather rare, as we know, to actually see marriages annulled, and that's because it's not that easy. To get a marriage annulled. Now, I will say here, in the interview where she revealed this, she a couple of the key words that I thought were tell us what's happening here was that the marriage was rushed, it was a mistake, and that he said all the right things.
1: Yeah, so there you have it. He said all the right things. There's your gravamen, the reason for the filing. I know, in my 25 plus years, I've done three annulments and I've gotten them all approved actually. Um, but, you know, it basically generally comes down to whether there was like a mistaken belief. Um, it used to be on the books in at least one state, you know, if you couldn't have a baby, yep, didn't want to have a baby. That was another one. You thought you were having a family, but then somebody said, I don't want to have a family. Um, if, if you've been in a shorter term marriage, or even a longer term marriage, and you're wanting to get an annulment, definitely consult with a local lawyer. There's lots of archaic, strange rules that may allow it, that you may never have thought of. And your lawyer may not think of it because they're not used all that often, right? I mean, Susan and I collectively have done thousands of divorces and you've probably only done a handful of annulments, if any.
0: Maybe two or three. I mean, it just doesn't come up very often for my listeners who don't know what an annulment is, I do want to point out an annulment essentially just legally nullifies, nullifies. It just poof, the marriage never happened. Meaning all of those legal obligations that come with marriage, the rights and obligations just never existed. You don't have an obligation to support each other. You don't have rights in each other's estate. There is no marital estate because there was no marriage. I mean, it really is is an extreme you know sort of result and so the court only orders them and this is why we don't see it very often under very limited circumstances and some of the things i think you were just talking about gab are are some of those things that you know when there is fraud in the inducement. There's the legal like phrase fraud in the inducement, uh, right? Yeah. Let's go back to law school for a second, but that's the one where, Oh, I love children. I can't wait to have a million of them. Meanwhile, you know, that you're not capable physically of having children, or you had your tubes tied or had a vasectomy or that you just really never will have, you know, you're on birth control. You're never having kids. Um, That would be a fraud. That was you. You induced someone into marrying you thinking that they were going to be able to have children, which is considered one of the benefits of marriage in a legal sense. And then you couldn't. So that would be one. And I'm assuming when Megan says in her interview that the marriage was rushed that it was a mistake and that he said all the right things, what they're relying on is that there was, I'm going to call it a misunderstanding of intention of entering into that marital arrangement.
1: Or a material misrepresentation maybe might be the legal standard depending upon where the person lived. But what's so interesting to me about annulments, Susan, is that historically, I think there was so much shame around divorce. And that is why you mentioned a whole bunch of financial reasons why it might be favorable to be annulled. But I also think there are social reasons that even today, some people might prefer to have an annulment. Although, thankfully, the shame and stigma of divorce, I do think is starting to lift and people, you know, 50% of the population or whatever it is today, 48% of the population who's divorcing um, is not tiptoeing secretly saying, oh, I'm getting divorced and, you know, just feeling bad for their entire life. Um, And annulment makes it as though the the marriage just never happened. You never have to say, you never have to check that divorced box. You never have to say the bridegroom's first marriage ended in divorce. And and and
0: it hit, you know the, and I do want to point out to people there is a legal annulment and a religious annulment. Yes, an annulment that will take place in the. I you know I'll be honest I only know of it within the Catholic Church. And there's also the get, in- the, and there's a get in. But is that the same as an annulment?
1: I can't say. I I don't know. I, I've had cases with gets. I have in Brooklyn. Get, in, in Brooklyn, like just
0: divorce.
1: It is the religious, you're right. It is the religious divorce. But if you don't have the religious divorce, you know what? I'm not sure that you can get married again in the Catholic church or in the synagogue if you don't have, it's called in New York, it's called the removal of barriers to remarriage. I just know that when I do a divorce in New York, they both have to sign that, you know, there are no barriers to to remarriage religiously. They either sign it or they, they refuse to sign it.
0: Well, I think the get issue, I've had a few divorces where this was a major issue in divorce um, in the Jewish faith, where a get is a religious divorce, which would allow um, the parties to remarry within their faith. Um, It is something that I believe only the man can give to the woman, husband to wife. And uh, so it is used in some cases as a Uh, a tool for continuing to keep a woman tied into the marriage, at least from a religious perspective. There are some cases that have, um, have hit the news um, in recent years where um, the rabbinical court has had to get involved um, in helping free women to be able to move forward with their lives. Um, An annulment's a different thing, right? Because an annulment is basically the poof, this marriage never happened. this, this is if you you like Megan King here is never going to have to say I think she'd been married twice before she married Cuff um, Biden Owens she will never have to say she was married three times and then there's you know sort of along those lines of what you just t- we were talking about with the the billionaires and and not making things known to the world and the stigma and all those things another case that's suddenly been in the headlines is. Um, the Good Morning America Weatherman divorce, they're calling it. This is what People Magazine called oh it Weatherman God. divorce. Right, right. Um, Rob Marciano and his wife, Aaron, um, are getting a divorce. But what's interesting, I think, about it is that Aaron filed in June of 2021 in Westchester, and the press just found out about it. So they keep calling it this surprise divorce filing. Here's our headline, you know, sensational. Surprise to end. who? Right. Surprise. Yes, exactly. Who. It's not a surprise to Rob. It's not a surprise to Aaron. It's probably not a surprise to anybody who knows them. Right. Um, what I do think is is interesting about it is that, you know, he's a high profile. He's on our screen every morning. The, re- the way most people find out is either reporters are looking at the divorce filings, they are public record and they find them and that's how they know, or The parties issue that statement. We regret to say that we are lovingly partying after so many years of marriage. We ask for privacy. Our focus is on co-parenting and raising our children and shielding them from this. And we ask for privacy in
1: this moment in time. I mean, that comes out in some format. They didn't do it. I do think that that's really interesting. And back to um, Lenny and Lisa's divorce, um, you know, they they came out with the announcement that they were having the Star Wars um, birthday party for their seven-year-old, right? Oh, um, right, yeah, we haven't
0: talked about that one yet, but Lenny um, Hockstein and uh, Lisa Hockstein, another real housewife. Um, this one I do know- I also, you see, Miami. I get my
1: housewives confused.
0: Me too. I'm I'm so sorry. I thought we had talked
1: about it already. Yeah. Yeah, No,
0: no. Uh, Well, but that's a good point. And maybe we could combine the two of them because actually there were a couple of um, similarities of what I wanted to talk about. So this is um, a divorce. I, the main reason I'll be honest with my listeners. The main reason I put this one about Lisa and Lenny in here is because (laughs) Lenny, is the
1: self-proclaimed self-proc- boob god? I know. I got like that I too. had to be able to say boob god. <laughs> I know. I have on on. Uh, I made a little cheat sheet, and I have boob god, really big letters. Right? I mean, like, really? Who would call themselves this? I think it's hysterical.
0: Um, a guy who's made a heck of a lot of money out of out of plastic surgery. That's yeah, exactly, a Plastic, exactly. well-known plastic surgeon. But so something that's happened in both these cases. So let's talk Rob Marciano's divorce. And, uh, Lisa and Lenny's divorce is, uh, Lisa and Lenny, as you just said, they threw their son, they came together and threw That's a great right. birthday party and Rob and his, his wife, Aaron, during this period of a year where they've been in the midst of a divorce, they went on spring break to Walt Disney world together with their kids,
1: posting right. happy family pictures. Right. And I just love that so- so much. They are, it is so good for everybody when they do that because they are high profile and they're sending such a good message. Like I said before, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And of course, not everybody can do that. And that's totally fine. Um, but when you can do that and you are in a position of, of power, it's doing so much good for the whole society. You know, it's not just about. Yes, you can have an impact on people's jobs and the, you know, the news and the financial sector and people's lives. You can also really change at a really high level the way people think about divorce and I think it's just so important as anyone who's heard me on any of the, you know, many times I talk about Better Apart, changing the legacy for your children's future by creating a more positive narrative of their present. And when you're in a position of power and when you are a billionaire or you are in the media, you really are in that position. And if you can rise above your own emotional state of um Unhappiness or frustration with the process, and take a couple of pictures with the kids. Um, you're doing. You're really doing a good deed for everybody.
0: Yeah, and 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 I I couldn't agree more. And I really wanted to highlight these two cases because these are two families where there may be very difficult things going on, but these they they came together. They did joint parties for their children or joint events for their children, and they have a platform they're higher profile people, and they use that platform to put out a positive message. And so I wanted to take a moment to amplify that. I love Um, that.
1: And you know, it's very few and far between the cases where there is no, you know, upset and drama. So I'm sure that they are experiencing plenty of harder times and putting forward those happy faces. I think it's also great for their kids, for their oh, kids' yeah. kids. It's just like, so it's not fake. It's like, it's it's finding the moment where you can be real and be happy, even though all this other mess is going on.
0: Right. Well, and that actually will take us to the last couple of headlines I wanted to talk about. Um, and these are not... Um, headlines that were about someone's celebrity or high-profile divorce, but there was an article that came out um, in Slate um, that was a combined Slate and Arizona State University study. Um, And I just thought it was so well done that I really want to bring this article to um, everyone's attention. It's entitled, How Americans Became Convinced divorce is bad for kids um, because there is still, you've mentioned it a couple of times, Gabrielle, there's still this pervasive stigma around divorce. There's still shame attached to divorce as a societal norm. And there is this perception that children are harmed by divorce.
1: Right. And And that,
0: yeah, Yeah, no, no. Well, I just, I, I I,
1: crazy making like, you know, I like, you know, Children are harmed by conflict. Children are not harmed by having, you know, having two houses and changing houses. When I grew up, there was times in my life where there were four houses. I was very fortunate. You know, each of my parents had a a small country house, right? And so I, every 10 days I slept in four beds. Guess what? They were able to do it without a lot of fighting. I was very, very fortunate. And, um, And that was so much better than had I been living in the crossfire. Um, and and I think too many people unfortunately hold on for too long thinking it's better for the kids and then the kids have more trauma than they would have had had they been divorced. And But I think also a lot of it is around our languaging around divorce and around custody. I've heard judge say, oh, why are you making your children ping pong between households? Well, how about flow between households, right? Right. Like who who created that ping pong language? It's, it is so, you know, 19 something. It is so- 1970s, that's when the
0: original, I can tell you when it was, It was it was the findings of this woman, Judith Wallerstein. And if you read the article, it's really clear that that is where this concept came. She did this very tiny study and used a very biased lens, I will say in my perception and certainly what it says in this article to look at the negatives uh, effects on children. But, and and I won't go into, I'm gonna put links to two articles about this into the show notes. So I encourage everyone to go read it, but let me just point out, this is science and and study and research results that have been debunked for decades. I think this Slate article, an Arizona State University article did a fabulous job. It it sort of builds on the work of Connie Ahrens, the author of The Good Divorce and We're Still Family, two books that were written decades ago that are just as relevant today as they ever were. And it was the first time that somebody had put this idea out there that your children, that staying together and staying in a bad marriage for the sake of your children, Wasn't actually what was best for them, but it does fly in the face of a societal conservative mindset that marriage above all that you, you, you stay in your marriage, that that is what you do and any separation because difficult, you know, no one's going to say divorce isn't difficult, that you stay in your marriage regardless and that is what's best for your children. And I think if you read these articles, read The Good Divorce. Actually, I have an entire episode with Terry Breer talking about uh, Connie Ahrens and The Good Divorce. Go listen to it. I'll link to it. But I think it's very important because the other article I sent you, Gab, to look at was just so I can at least say I'm giving both sides of the argument. Um, Fox News, not my favorite outlet of news. I'm just going to say that, but they they have an article that says slate article panned for arguing that divorce isn't bad for children. Um, and it goes through and cites a bunch of pundits perceptions of why people should stay in marriages. And, and of course, divorce is hard on kids. They're, this is ridiculous. You have to look at both points of view, but I, I tend to go where the research is and the research is your kids can be better off. With two happy, healthy households and parents than in an unhappy household with a lot of conflict, like and, you just and, said. Yeah. And if
1: I can shamelessly um, promote, many families are actually better apart. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and sorry, you just like led me right there. Well, but mind. it's true. That's true. why I
0: loved your your title going back just, to the
1: top of right, the episode. Right. It's just true. And so. It is hard. Nobody says it's going to be easy. It doesn't matter if you have billions of dollars, or you have you don't have any money. Um, it's, it's hard, but it can so often be so much healthier for your kids to not be sitting at that tense dinner table, or not you know see one of you either yeah. acting out of anger or miserable, quietly or how, whatever their situation is.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we know it. We've seen it. We know divorce is hard. There's a lot that you can do to make divorce a, a you know smoother experience for your children. You know, Gabrielle and I both love Chris, Christina uh, McGee. Get her book, Parenting Apart. Yep. Um, it's Better Apart and Parenting Apart are kind of like your bible for the divorce, folks. Yeah, <laughs> do use those together. together to it's get funny. apart. Yeah,
1: I love her. Her work is great. She has such great energy. Um, Anytime you can hear Christina McGee, you should definitely tune in. She's full of really wonderful advice.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why I think I have like six episodes with her um, and more to come. So Gabrielle, this was, it's so much fun to go through the headlines with a friend Um, and a colleague who knows these areas is so well, like you do, um, tell everybody about, because your TEDx is out and your next book is coming. So let's tell everybody you and I have an episode about your TEDx. I'll link to that as well, but just give everybody a little teaser and then tell us about the book, Gabrielle's second book, everyone.
1: So, um, My TEDx is about um, how to get along. The secret to getting along is easier than you think. And my book goes into how you can get along, if not perfectly, better, right? We all have relationships. If you're going through a divorce, you're going to have a relationship ongoing if there are kids like it or not with this other person for a long time. And um, how to get along really explores how you can coexist with this person in your orbit in a way where you feel um, you don't feel depleted anymore when you're around them and you're being honest and kind to yourself with yourself with them and in your family and so it's going to be out actually next May of 2023 it'll be out check out the TEDx right now it's just 12 minutes long um, and I, I really I hope you like it
0: Oh, it's I mean, we have an entire episode on it. I'm going to link to the TEDx as well in our show notes. You're going to get some great tips from there that, you know, just the TEDx alone. But when the book comes out, of course, Gabrielle will be back and we will be talking about the book again um, as she goes on her whirlwind media tour. Um, I made her promise to come here first or at least early oh, on. I'm there. The I
1: am there, Susan. You know <laughs> yeah. it.
0: Well, and you can always find Gabrielle at gabriellehartley.com. It's not hard to find her. Um, You can get her book on her website, my website, uh, Amazon. Amazon. You get it. You can get it anywhere. It's a wonderful gift. Let me just point out to you all either for yourself or if you know someone who is going through divorce and you're not quite sure how to support them, it's hard get them the book. I'm going to be honest with you. This is, that is love. That is caring because you're giving them a a path to being better apart, a radically positive way to separate. I I mean it folks, get that book.
1: I have a couple of divorce um, litigators who've contacted me to let me know that they they give the books to their clients, which is like the biggest compliment because those people are not woo woo peace love and joy kind of people.
0: <laughs> exactly. No, I recommend it. It's it's right on the top of my list when I write that your book Better Apart and Parenting Apart. I mean, they're the two. It, it's no it's no uh, uh, coincidence that they have very similar titles. So I'm
1: very grateful to be um, side by side with Christina.
0: <laughs> two of my favorites, two of my good friends and two of my favorites. So thanks so much for joining me, Gabrielle and everyone tune in next week or next month for our, um, August, um, headlines. We'll be doing this again, maybe with another special guest. If there's something that you want to hear about or a case you want us to discuss, be sure to send me a DM or an email at divorce and gmail.com. And thanks for tuning in everybody. See you next month.